Cool.fm is the perfect station for music lovers who enjoy a mix of adult pop, modern country, and classic hits. Our unique blend of different genres creates an awesome listening experience that you won't find anywhere else. With Cool.fm, you don't have to constantly change stations to hear the music you love. Just download the Live 365 app and start listening to our curated selection of modern adult and country hits, as well as the classics you know and love. So tune in to Cool.fm and start enjoying the best of all your favorite music in one place. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. We are joined today by a very talented and creative individual. She is a very talented comic creator, and work that she's done is so beautiful and so amazing that we are joined by the creator of Ragnomantic Club, Kamori and King. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Honored to to be on the show. Well, it's good to have you. I I really love having new and, and talented people, and I think it's uh, a wonderful to, to get you on the show to talk about this amazing comic. For those that don't know anything about yourself as a creative person, tell us who you are and what you're bringing to Do Geeks Talking. Crafty, nerdy. I've been crafty and nerdy since 1988. Uh, <laughs> I like drawing gorgeous, mostly sometimes naked men. Uh, with beautiful long hair. I love to bring dark fantasy, tragedy, maybe a little bit of romance into a lot of my work and stories. A lot of my illustrations, I try to be very story-driven, you know, try to create a very unique atmosphere, storytelling, and of course, a very unique style and art. What is your comic that we're talking about here today, Ragdom Antiquam, about? Yeah, it's an apocalyptic, dark fantasy. It is a title that is very, I have had this idea and this more bigger main title called Fallen Angels since about 2004 and most of the characters from it. So Ragnum Antiquum was always one of those stories that almost like a prequel where something happened to the world, something happened in the world. You see the after effects of it and you see how the main character, Amadeus, you see how his actions really impacted the world and other big important characters in the story. So once you go throughout the story, you will start to see, okay, it's a big build up. And then once that happens, you see, you know, a few years down the road later in Fallen Angel, it's like, oh, what's going on? Like some things are familiar. It's laying down a lot of groundwork and a lot of important characters. I always find character names fascinating because it kind of brings a, a window into the creative soul that put them onto the page there. Tell us about some of the names that you created and how you came up with them. Oh, Amadeus. He's the main character. He was a character that I had to come up with scratch. Most of my characters I have, I've had them since about maybe 2000, 2001. Big chunk of my characters did come around in 2004. Mitsutaru, who I I quote is my prodigal son. A lot of people who follow me on Instagram and Twitter will recognize him as the, the big, beefy male character with thick, curly black hair. That's him. So when I came up with Amadeus, I was like, I gotta create a new, well, actually a couple of new characters on the spot. I'm big into like nameology. I was going through a few things. I really like, I really liked the name Amadeus. 
<laughs> growing up and into this day, I really love the Falco song. Mm-hmm. And then I found a really cool metal cover of it. It was kind of like it was meant to be. And as I was doing more research, because Ragnum Antiquum is that is Latin for ancient realm, which ancient realm used to be a very old, another very old story of mine. So I kind of like to recycle some things here and there. It's kind of a smart way to go. You get things and you put them in the back of your head. Like, you, you know, you go to your storage shed and you're like, oh, I forgot I had this rake. I could reuse this rake. That's kind of sort of how it, how it goes for us as creatives. I wanted a title that was, you know, elegant and sort of mistress, almost like my artist name. It's a little bit of mystery there. Like, huh, this is interesting. So it's Latin and Amadeus is Latin for... lover of God or for the love of God. As I was diving deep, especially when I was um, reformatting this book from Vertical Scroll to print, I redid a few things. And Amadeus is clearly, he's, he's not really a human, you know, he's not human, he's not mortal. Amadeus is a very like human name. And as I was doing research, the Latin name for God is Deus. So I played that into the story a little bit. He comes to the moral realm, they hear Deus, and they're like, Amadeus? So it kind of stuck a little bit. That was like perfect lightning in the bottle, like aha moment. So just a little bit of afterwards research, like these things really fit pretty well. I guess I'm clever. <laughs> you find a name that you like and you stick with it. You build your character around it. So that's that's just a wonderful to see. You mentioned that this was a dark fantasy genre. What's the most misunderstood aspect about the dark fantasy genre that maybe people who don't follow it misunderstand? Oh, probably because it's fantasy. I guess fantasy is meant to be like kind of pretty. Do you see my work or just an illustration? You would think, oh, you know, it's really pretty. Maybe a lot of romance notes, stuff like that, like a bunch of epic stuff. And there's just a lot underneath. And a lot of people don't realize it. Like it's dark. It can not necessarily means you get really gory or anything, but the themes can get pretty dark. A lot of trauma. This, this guy went through a lot and you will see that. You don't realize it at first. Like, oh, look at this gorgeous character. Oh, look at those pretty dresses. Yeah. There's a little bit more layers underneath. It's really meant to (laughs) draw you in a little bit. So then speaking of themes, and you're just hitting all the questions I want to ask right off the bat. So this works out very well. I thank you so much. Done my research. (laughs) What are some of the themes that spoke to you while you were creating not only this series, but your Fallen Angel series as well? A lot of times it's self-reflection. A lot of us will create just to have an escape. And that's the way it's been. I've been diagnosed with anxiety, depression when I was like 13. Just a lot of failure and errors and it was just an outlet, a lot of trauma, just a way for me to kind of vent and put my <laughs> my issues onto my characters. But it also helps me take a step back and be like, oh, this is this is kind of how I can I can deal with things. You know, it's it's okay to open up to people. Does being creative energize you or drain you when you create this series? A little bit of both. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes when you create. When you create it, the most magical thing ever. Like you see something progress. It's just mind boggling. It really, it really is. It's like, wow, you can create 
nothing into something it's really magical it's really awe-inspiring when you get into you know the promotion part of it and oh you know you gotta upload it it's like the backroom stuff you have a really cool business that you like to work in but yet you know you have the stress of like the financials and the backrooms sort of stuff it can get a little draining and imposter syndrome is a devil <laughs> you work extra hard to fight that monkey so, but you gotta, you really have to just take your time with it. Some people, they, they just have the energy, bless them. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta take the time if you don't feel like you're up to par or if it starts to get too exhausting or too draining, have to take a break, relax. I kind of use like a sponge metaphor. Creativity and inspiration is a lot like a sponge. You use it and use it and use it until it's dry. And then you have to find a way to get it damp again. And that doesn't necessarily mean drawing. I mean, it can. You can do other stuff like creatively. I like to sit down and play video games. I mostly work digitally. I try to take things offline a little bit, work in a sketchbook, anything to replenish my inspiration. You got to take it a little bit and you got to really listen to your creative energy and your creative vibe. If you start to feel like, okay, this is becoming a chore, you better stop and relax or you'll get burnt out. It's never fun to deal with. Everyone usually asks, what's the wisest piece of advice or what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? But what is the second wisest piece of advice that you've received that has stuck with you in your career? Oh, second wisest. I don't, I don't know. Uh, really. <laughs> Keep going. Honestly, you got to learn to, you got to sit back and realize, hey, you know, you really like what you do. Don't really give up on it. There is no such thing as failure unless you give up. That's probably second to the inspiration and the sponge, you know, avoiding burnout. That's it too, is you got to keep going. If you give up, you won't know how far you can go. I've gotten a lot of people rooting saying, don't, don't give up. You're exhausted. Just don't give up. It's okay to take a break. It's relevant. You know, it's okay to take a break. Just don't give up. If you give up, that in itself is failure. If you keep trying, then there's no such thing as failure. You know, I always find the use of color amazing when it comes to comic creation, because if you're a writer and an artist, you're you're obviously doing everything together. And that's what you're putting together here, which is amazing to see. But the choice of color, I think, is from a creative standpoint, you have a lot of blues and reds and varying colors. What is the color that speaks most to you when you're creating these series and why? Purple. Not really because it's become a kind of a, a signature color of mine. I learned a while ago that purple makes a really, really good shadow color for shading. And as I was getting to know and develop my style, I realized that that harsh black inks was a little too much for my style. My style is a little too soft and it didn't really work out as well. So it was a lot of trial and error in that part. But when I was working traditionally, I found that, oh, you know, like I would use a purple pencil, colored pencil, and it would work beautifully like with watercolors, especially markers. I mostly like using markers when I work traditionally. Oh, I got something. And then when I was trying to rework my style a little bit, get a little more familiar with it and evolve it, I started using purple line art and purple shading. 
And of course, you know, when you do sort of something like that, um, you have to match and blend your flat colors. And, you know, that's why a lot of my stuff isn't super saturated. Like there's a couple of bits that are saturated. Obviously for like punches, like the red, it's it's meant to be punchy, you know? It's a lot of development, a lot of color theory. <laughs> I, I try to be smart with that. When you're working on a comic or illustration, mostly comic, you know, you have to think of environmental lighting and all of that stuff. And that was something that I, you know, I developed over time. And especially in this, because of the, the nature of like the apocalyptic corruption, the curse that happens in the book. I wanted that stark difference. It's like, oh, something's going on. Like, there's a lot of red. There's a lot of doom going on here. It's meant to tie into the story and the title. I don't necessarily see it too much in other parts of my, any of my other stories. There's other times we got to use some environmental lighting, just try to be a little smart with things. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? Oh, I... <sighs> Coming from an artist standpoint, a picture is worth a thousand words when it comes to writing and all that. I do believe that words really can impact people. Oh, I've, I've been bullied and it was, it was never physical. It was always, you know, you know, it's just what you could do with words and how you talk to people. Uh, so words words can be pretty powerful. You can either use them to do good, be nice, or you can you can use them and be a, a jerk and hurt people. You know, looking at the the comic itself and and what you put together, and it's been an, an incredible journey, I'm sure. When you first started this comic, what have you learned about yourself creatively when you started this to where you are currently with the series? I've learned that it was okay to push myself. Anything that I've learned, I've learned a bit, like technically, with working on the series. Anytime you're working on a comic, you grow and improve immensely. I've learned how to really, you know, uh, push myself, how to stick with it. Not necessarily like I wanted to give up on this series but when when I was going on the journey the, the Kickstarter journey with this series there were so many times I just wanted to pull the plug I have learned to stick through it and to push myself and even with do <laughs> doing these interviews I'm not a very camera positive person I'm I'm very very shy and I've learned to just just push myself and it's like, hey, it's it's okay. It's 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 okay. It's it's gonna be a little awkward. It's gonna be feel a little off, but it's 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 fine. Everything's gonna be okay. So I've I've learned to just keep doing it, keep pushing. You know, break break boundaries. We we do what we can to push ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we learn about ourselves too. If you stay in one box. How are you going to know? Well, I completely agree with that. <laughs> um, you know, looking at your, your creative career so far, and I'm sure you have much more to contribute in the future with not only this series, but others that we, we haven't talked about yet. What are three things that you've accomplished that you're proud of in the past? And what are three things you are looking forward to accomplishing? I'm proud that I published a book, that I did the legwork, and that I didn't give up 
I've had numerous, a couple of titles in the past where the saying goes, it's like reboot purgatory. So I'm really glad that I stuck with a title and I, I finished a book that that is leaps and bounds in itself, but creating a style, I never really liked to blend in. When I was, when I was bullied, I, I was very anime influenced. It's what I mostly drew, like a lot of fan art and a lot of my style developed from that. And I mean, it kind of like pushed me to say, hey, you know, I don't really want to blend in. You know, I want someone to see my work and be like, hey, that's 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 Camorian King. You know, I'm pretty proud of what I've developed over the years, what I've studied. I'll flaunt it. I'm good at drawing anatomy. I'll flaunt it. I'm good at drawing hair. I'll flaunt it. I'm very proud that I've studied so hard that I can actually take that form and turn it into something that's my own. I just want to constantly, you know, keep pushing my boundaries, keep telling stories, pushing myself um, personally um, as an artist, creator, and as a person. Keep chasing after my dreams. I have an 11-year-old daughter, and I want her to grow up and look at the things that I've accomplished. Look at, you know, I've had these dreams since I was about her age. I want her to see, hey, you know, it's fine. You can go after your dreams, regardless of what everyone else is saying in the background. If you love it, go for it. It's okay. You can become something. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who was that for you? I thank him all the time for this. One of the biggest people that he went on the same journey where, you know, he loves comics. He wanted to, you know, publish. He did the Kickstarter route. He got knocked down and then he decided to pick it back up again. And the whole inspiration of that. And then also the whole Kickstarter side of it. I wouldn't really know much of anything about Kickstarter. Dan Price, he's the artist, co-writer of uh, Bigfoot Knows Karate. Yep. We've, we've known each other for, oh God, over five years now. And I've seen his journey and just awe-inspiring. And I wouldn't be following down this path if I didn't watch what he was doing. And if he wasn't so open and honest and kind and supportive, a lot of kudos to him, a lot of, a lot of love to him, really. Yeah, Dan's been on the show twice, actually. Yeah, he's, he's such a great guy. Yeah. I'm blessed to have met him. From a professional standpoint, you have created an amazing comic series and, uh, as, well, uh, this being the prequel and Fallen Angels is your, your standard version or your yeah. current timeline, I, I guess I'm going to call it. Yeah. Uh, so you're professionally successful uh, creating these amazing series in, in that regard. Do you consider yourself personally successful? I achieved what I wanted to achieve. So yes, I've always wanted to create and publish a book. It's standing right in front of me. In that sense of fulfilling my dream and not giving up on it, yes. It does not matter if I had made 10 bucks on it or if I made $10,000 on it. I am successful because I pushed myself, I believed in myself, and I didn't give up. The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failures? What is failure? constantly, you know, the imposter syndrome in the back of your head is constantly saying, hey, you know, comparing yourself to others, 
And that in itself, it's like, oh, I, I'm really such a failure because I can't hit these numbers. I'm just as good, if not better. I don't like to say I'm, I'm better. Those voices are like, you're, you're better than this person. Why can't you get hit these numbers? Or you worked so hard. You, you pushed so hard to promote this. Why didn't your Kickstarter get like a couple thousand dollars? It, that's not failure. That's, that's not failure. Even, even if, oh, your Kickstarter failed or, oh, you didn't have a really good launch for your series on webtoon that's not failure that's just a quick knockdown maybe it wasn't the right time right place for that sort of stuff yet or maybe you know you know you're not just like oh lightning in a bottle like you're instantly huge i believe that failure is giving up not being true with your story with your work with who you are if you're not authentic that's being a failure if you keep pushing, being who you are, telling the stories you want to tell, draw the characters you want to draw, then you're succeeding. You're winning. It's not always big. It's not always huge. They can be tiny little stepping stones. As long as you are walking, staying in your lane and going in the right direction, you're winning. Failing is giving up. It really is. The young generation is looking at your work and they become inspired to be creative in their own way, whether it's as a comic writer or creator or something creative in the industry that maybe we don't know about yet. And the fact that you have the younger generation with you and, and of course your daughter is maybe you're inspiring her in some way, shape or form as well too. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? Being authentic, being themselves, being open and honest with people. I like being as supportive as possible to really any type of creator that that comes, you know, follows me, befriends me. I, I don't I don't care if how far along your journey you are, if you're highly successful, as in like you you really make big bucks off from your work, or if you're just starting out, be supportive of others, you know, help them out as much as possible. People see your struggle. But people will see you doing your best with the circumstances that are happening. So keep going. Help others. Be kind. Don't be a jerk. Don't gatekeep. Be as influenced as possible. If your life was a comic book or a series or film or whatever medium your life may be in or video game, what would its title be? And what would its soundtrack be? I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I like listening to a lot of metal, but not like the, the, the typical like growling and a lot of stuff you hear on the radio stations charts in America. But I really don't know. Maybe a little bit of a comedy. I kind of see my life as kind of bland. I haven't really <laughs> done a lot in my life. So I don't think it would be something that would someone would sit down and be like, I got to write a story about Cam. No. <laughs> Someone who just struggles and, you know, just, just tries to, to do their best. That's why I create other stories that's not about me. <laughs> well, Cam, I do hate to say it, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it was an honor. Thank you. Before I let you go, where can we find you? How can we support you? And of course, where can we find this amazing series online? It is on, you can read both versions, meaning vertical scroll slash webtoon or printed 
limited version exclusively on Global Comics. You can check out more of my illustrations and my shop, KamorianKing.com. Kamorian King is my handle like everywhere. I'm mostly active on Twitter. I'm a little active on Instagram, but I interact more with people on Twitter and I like to meet people and, you know, develop relationships, grow this community. I also have a Ko-Fi, Kamorian King. That's like a little tip jar. I'm also going to be starting up within this month or so. I'm also going to be, you know, expanding my online shop, which will include physical books on my website. And I'm also going to be setting up a Patreon for exclusive illustrations, early access to pages and some delicious, tasty nudity. (laughs) Well, like I said, that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. You can, of course, find this interview and a thousand plus others on our website, tgtmedia.com or twogeekstalking.com. That's the word to, not the number two. Of course, my YouTube channel is a lot more updated than my website because I'm only one person. Give me a break. It is youtube.com forward slash C forward slash TGT Media. The podcast is back after 13 or so years, which you can find at twogeekstalking.podbean.com. But you can actually search on all of your audio streaming services and search for Two Geeks Talking. It's literally going to be the only one there. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on Two Geeks Talking.